Welcome to The Wisdom Show, a gathering place for the world's leading experts in the fields of human potential, spirituality, personal development, health, relationships, and more. Join us as we evolve together to the highest expression of our lives. And now, your host, Gene Swan. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Are you ready for more love in your life? More love for others and for yourself? We have a special guest today who is a world-renowned expert on how to make that happen. As most of you know, Marcy Shimoff is the number one New York Times best-selling author of Love for No Reason, Seven Steps to Creating a Life of Unconditional Love, and Happy for No Reason. Her books have sold more than 15 million copies in 33 languages worldwide, making her one of the best-selling female nonfiction authors of all time. Marcy was also a featured teacher in hit movie The Secret. She's inspired millions of people to live more empowered and joy-filled lives. And if you've ever heard or seen Marcy speak, you know that she really embodies the message that she brings to the world. And Marcy, in your first chapter of Love for No Reason, you say, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, like the song from the 1960s. Would you say that that is more true now than ever, Marcy? Oh, I definitely think so. You know, I think that we are in a very uh, special time in the history of the planet. And certainly, I'm not the only one in saying that. You know, there was a whole... um, 2012 uh, Mayan prophecy, and and I think that what we're in is we are in moving into the age of love, and and I don't mean from necessarily the uh, flower children, um, you know, I, I did grow up in San Francisco, but I don't mean that kind of 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 love necessarily. What I do mean though is living in a higher energetic vibration, and um, I mean we notice that that the world, it, you know, we're we're in a crisis in many ways. There's there's a financial crisis. There's all kinds of um, certainly um, crises with, with, within countries, and, and I think that this is the time that where love is the thing that's going to heal it, where really it, it is a call for us to rise in a state of consciousness that is some call the state of love consciousness. And um, I know that sounds really, really esoteric. And what's really cool about this is that there is now science that's beginning to back this up. And so what I love to do is to combine the science and the spirituality into the really practical. How can we live our lives more and more on a daily basis in this state of love? So I'm I'm excited that, that I know we'll explore some of the concepts, but I also want to make sure that we're going to get really practical today and give people some things that they can do immediately to uh, raise their energy to the uh, to more love. Yes, I think so many people are ready for that. And speaking of the science, Marcy, yes, in case anyone thinks this is an out there concept, in your book you outline the scientific studies that show the power of love, that how that frequency actually has a lot of power in how we live our lives, in what we attract, and in how we affect everyone around us. So can you outline some of that science for us? Sure. Well, um, first of all, there is a group called the Institute of Heart Math, an organization called the Institute of Heart Math. I love them. They are the world's leading researchers on the heart and on love and on its power. And a couple of things that I'll share with you that are interesting from them, and, and, and I'll be sharing things from them throughout our, throughout our time together. But first thing that I found really fascinating is that our heart, which every religious and spiritual tradition throughout history has has referred to as the seat of our soul, that really our essence, if you were to 
located in a physical area. It would be in the area of the heart, which is also what we consider to be love. That the heart has an electromagnetic field around it that is 5,000 times more powerful than the electromagnetic field around the brain. So while there's, you know, all this attention and talk about the brain, and certainly the brain is very, very important, I believe that uh, the power is truly in our heart. And this research that they did is not just some, they're not just measuring, um, like, although curly and photography can measure energetic fields, this is through something called an electromagnometer, that they're measuring the field around the heart. They say that it goes out 8 to 10 feet beyond our body. So this is why people can, can feel us when they're a ways away from us. It's, it's, we're vibrating at a certain vibration around our heart. They've also found that when we are feeling angry and frustrated and upset, that we go into what's called heart rhythm incoherence. And you can see on a monitor that the, the heart rhythms are very incoherent. They're very jaggedy. They also say that when we are in a state of love and joy and compassion and care, that we go into heart rhythm coherence, where our heart rhythms are very synchronous. They're very smooth. And they even have computer programs where you can put your finger in a sensor, uh, either on a computer or even in a little handheld device that they call the M-Wave, and you can tell when you're in a heart rhythm coherence or incoherence, and you can train yourself to be more and more in the state of heart rhythm coherence. So this is where we get to move from the airy-fairy kind of ideas about love into the real science of love. And as you mentioned, we'll be talking about more practical tips to get into that coherence. But what results could we expect when we're in a state of coherence as opposed to not being in that state? Mm, Great question. Well, um, love, of course, sort of the obvious feeling of love. But, you know, so many of us are, are... we know what love feels like. We, we felt it when we've first fallen in love or when we see a, a child and it just opens our hearts or when we're looking at a magnificent sunset. You know, all of those experiences of expansion, of open-heartedness, of ease, of acceptance, um, some other qualities that come along with living in that state of love is that we're more resilient We can bounce back more quickly from challenges, from issues. We're actually more creative. Um, Einstein used to say that any of his great ideas came whenever he was just relaxed and and walking in in nature or, you know, not not focusing necessarily but being just more open. And I call that being in a state of of love and receptivity. So we're more creative. Um, our relationships obviously are <laughs> are easier and more fulfilling when we're living more in the state of love. And there's healing. You know, there's so much research that's been done and, and many certainly anecdotal stories about people who've, who've done tremendous healing through love. In fact, may I share a story with you? Oh, please do, yes. So this is a story from one of the – I interviewed over 150 people when I was writing Love for No Reason. I call them my love luminaries. These were people who were living more in this state of love um, than certainly than the average person. And one of them is a woman named Sally Salve. 
And Sally told her story like this. She said, the week before her 50th birthday, she became violently ill, and she was rushed to the emergency room of her local hospital. And when the doctors examined her, they told her that her liver was failing. And then, in fact, it was so extreme that she would probably need a liver transplant in the next few days or she would die. Now, this came as a complete shock to Sally because Sally had no history of liver disease for herself or in her family. She had never, she'd never had any other symptoms. She'd never, she didn't drink. And she was just shocked at this. Well, over the next few days, she kept getting sicker and sicker, but fortunately, on the third day, um, they found her a liver, liver, and they were able to do the transplant surgery, and it was successful, and she recovered beautifully, and all was well for the next year, until a year later, she went back in for a routine doctor's exam, and the doctor told her that her second liver was beginning to fail, and that she would probably need another transplant. In, or she would probably need, uh, yes, a second transplant within a few months. Well, again, Jean was absolutely shocked, no idea why this was happening. But on that particular doctor's visit, she was sitting in the waiting room next to a woman who had just had her third liver transplant in three years. And the woman was the most angry, negative, critical person that Jean ever remembered meeting. And this triggered in Jean a memory about Chinese medicine and how in Chinese medicine each organ is associated with an emotion and the liver is associated with anger. And it caused Jean to stop and think, okay, where am I angry? Where am I angry that may be causing this? And she realized that while she didn't express her anger anger very much outwardly. She had a lot of anger towards herself. She was had grown up in a really judgmental, critical family, and she was always beating herself up. She was never good enough. And so she made a commitment in that moment that she was going to practice self-love for 10 minutes every day, which is what she did. Two months later, she went back to the doctor for the exam to get ready for the liver transplant surgery. And the doctor sat her down and said, Jean, uh, Sally, sorry. He said, Sally, I have no idea what has just happened. I have never seen this before, but your liver is completely healed. This is a medical miracle. And she, she did not need the transplant then, and that was 18 years ago. She has never needed that transplant. Sally is one of the most happy, healthy, joyful, light-filled people. She met her soulmate six months later, and she continues to do those self-love practices. And so, you know, I love this story because it's such a dramatic example of the power of love. And, you know, there are many, many stories like that. I know that, that I think you've had uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel on the show, who's just, just a great, great physician who, who has written and spoken about love. And, and so one of the benefits is, is self-healing. Yes, it's amazing that turnaround and that it can be that simple and that it can be something like taking 10 minutes a day to love yourself. I think we tend to complicate it a lot more than that, but here's proof that something uh, very simple, basic, and but very profound can literally change our lives. And you have so many examples of that in the book. How, yes. how has it changed your life, Marcy? What was the point at which you said, well, 
I, I know you've said before you weren't always happy. You weren't right. always in unconditional love. Right. What was the turning point where you wanted that in your life and you wanted to help other people have that? I had two turning points. Um, so let me, let me, if I may, share them with you. One of them was um, I, I had never been a happy kid. I had really a great family. Everything around me was great, but I was just unhappy. I had a cloud of, of heaviness that I carried with me. And uh, so when I was about 20 years old, I set five goals for myself in life. And I figured that once I got those five goals, then I would be happy. And I think that uh, a lot of people have done similar things to that. Um, and I'll just share with you my five goals. I thought, first of all, I wanted a successful career where I was helping lots and lots of people. Secondly, I wanted a great relationship with a husband or, you know, significant other. Third is I wanted um, great friends, really wonderful friends. Fourth was a comfortable home. And the fifth was the equivalent of Halle Berry's body. <laughs> well, I got four out of the five. <laughs> I don't have Halle Berry's body, but I have a healthy body. And, and I remember very clearly it was July of 2000, uh, I'm sorry, July of 1998, and I had all five of those goals, other than other than the, the perfect body. But I did have, as I said, healthy body. At the time, I had three of my books at the same time on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, that was like amazing. I never imagined that I would have that kind of success. I was in a, a great relationship. I had wonderful friends. I had a beautiful home, and I was healthy. And July of two thousand of nineteen ninety eight, the that particular, this one week, I had all three books on the New York Times bestseller list, and I had just finished giving a speech to 8,000 people. I had sold and was signing 5,432 books, which took me three days to do. There were lines all around the building that would, you know, just circle and circle for three days. They had to have a massage therapist on hand to massage my hand every hour so I didn't get carpal tunnel. And I felt like an author rock star. And I remember at the end of those three days, I went up to my um, my hotel room, which the client had gotten me the penthouse suite, and I plopped onto the bed, and I burst into tears. And I burst into tears because I realized that I had everything I thought I needed in life to be happy, and I still felt an emptiness inside. And I could no longer go on to to try for more thinking that that was going to do it because I'd seen the futility in that. And and the reason I share that is that I know that everybody who is listening right now has had some form of that in their life, some form of, oh, just as soon as I get this, then I'll really be happy. And then you get it, and you are happier for a while, but then within some period of time, and usually it's a few months, that happiness fades, and you go back to whatever baseline state you were at before. And this is all because we have something called a happiness set point. And no matter what happens to us, whether it's good or bad, we will hover around our happiness set point unless we do something to change it. So it was right around that time that I said, I've got to change this. I've got to do something different because I, I, I'm tired of scrambling around to get the outside life to look a certain way so that I can feel happy inside. So I started doing all of this research on happiness, and I found out that there is a science to happiness and that we could, I could raise my happiness set point. And I practiced everything I was learning, and it worked. 
I went from about a D plus in happiness to about an A minus. I'm still, you know, always learning, but I'm definitely like hugely, feel hugely different from it. And then I would say my second turning point came after I wrote Happy for No Reason. I did some soul searching and I said, okay, this is great. I'm, I'm really, I'm so blessed to have been able to do all this research, to have Really, I consider myself a guinea pig. I've tried everything, and I'm using, you know, and I'm sharing with people what works. And I said, "What's next?" And there was only one answer: the only thing that I wanted more than happiness is love. You know, I believe that love is ultimately the reason that we are here on the planet, and it is the only thing that we all want the most. And I don't mean love. It may include being loved by someone or having a loving family, but what I really mean is what I call love for no reason, which is a state of freedom. It's a state of love that doesn't depend on any person or situation or a romantic partner. It's an inner state of beingness, of being love, which I actually have come to see is the essence of who we are. It's every spiritual and religious tradition says that our essence is love. And so our only job in life is to remove the blocks to that experience of ourselves as love. And so that, that, that was the second turning point, and that's what drove me, what inspired me, I would should say, to write a book all about unconditional love. So, Marcy, you mentioned a happiness set point in your book, Happy for No Reason, and that people are born with a certain amount of happiness, which can be raised, and you teach people how to do that. In love for no reason, do we have a love set point that we're born with, and then can we change that? I say the answer is yes. Um, there is still, you know, the, the scientific research on that has not been done to the extent that it has been done on happiness. But I believe that we all do have a love set point that it's, uh, consider it like a glass ceiling uh, or an upper limit, as Gay and Katie, Katie Hendricks might call it, an upper limit to our ability, our capacity to be able to give and receive love. And where we see this very often is in um, in in relationships. Someone will. You, I imagine we all have friends who have attracted a relationship to them, and it starts to get really, really good, and it goes beyond their upper limit of their capacity, of what they're used to in, in giving or receiving love. And so on some level, they sabotage it. Something happens, and it, it disintegrates. And then they go out and they try to find another relationship, and the same thing happens all over again. They get to a certain level of love, and they can't break through that glass ceiling. And it's because we need to raise this love set point that we have. And just like with happiness, it is a skill. These, raising your happiness set point and raising your love set point, they are skills that each of us can learn. Just like you learn to play the piano, there are certain habits that great piano players have. Or t learn to play tennis, there are certain habits that great tennis players have. And if you learn those habits, then you can uh, raise your love set point. So, Marcy, can you share with us some basics of that for people who want to get started today? Raise, sure. Raising their love set point, experiencing more love. What what can we do to get started? Great. So um, I'm I want to I think we'll have time for me to be able to share with you three of my favorite uh, love habits. Is that okay? That's perfect. All right. So the first one, and I I encourage everyone, please get a pen and paper, because I I I really there are some things I'm going to share with you that you're going to want to write down. 
and you're going to want to make sure that you, I'm going to invite you to practice these. What I've found is that if you commit to five minutes a day for the next two weeks, you will notice a shift. And that will create the incentive, the momentum for you to to keep on going. So all I'm going to ask for you is five minutes a day for the next two weeks. And then then you'll be on the road and it will be automatic after that. So the first practice that I want to share with you is one that I learned from the Institute of Heart Math. And it's called the Inner Ease Technique. And it simply allows you to shift from what science calls the stress response to what science has come to call the love response. And this is a term that was coined by Dr. Eva Selhub, who's a doctor at Harvard Medical School. And it's, it, when, when we're experiencing the love response, there's an entirely different brain activity, heart rhythms, as we talked about earlier, and also biochemistry. So we all know what it's like to be in the stress response. You know, you're stuck on the freeway, or you're just had an argument with somebody, or you're sitting in a meeting and you're bored, and That is the stress response. But we can, within about two to three minutes, shift into the love response. And and let me just give you a little bit of incentive before I share with you the practice. The Institute of Heart Math has found that if you are feeling, if you're in the stress response for just five minutes, it can suppress your immune system for up to six hours. So this is dramatic. You know, you have a small response and it goes, it lasts in the body for quite a long time. But likewise, if you have, if you're in a state of love or or joy for five minutes, it can strengthen your immune system for up to six hours. So this exercise that we're going to do is is probably going to just take two or three minutes and it will shift you into the love response. And, um, Jean, I'm going to ask you to be my guinea pig. Is that okay? Okay, I'm, I'm ready. So I, I invite and really encourage everyone to do this along with us because you don't get anything from just hearing us do it. The rubber meets the road, and you're doing it, and it's quite simple. So it's three steps, and you can do this with your eyes opened or closed, but I suggest if you're able to, wherever you are, to, to do it with your eyes closed, it goes a little bit more uh, it goes a little deeper, but even if you're not able to close your eyes, please join in. So the first step is to place the palm of your hand over your heart. Now that simple act of putting your hand on your heart starts the flow of a chemical called oxytocin. And oxytocin is dubbed the love hormone because it's what we feel when we feel bonded and connected with each other. We have more oxytocin. So mothers who've given birth have a ton of oxytocin, or when they're um, breastfeeding, there's a lot of oxytocin. When we make love, we have a lot of oxytocin. Just putting your hand on your heart right now is starting that flow of oxytocin. And you may even be feeling some subtle shift. Now, the second step is to imagine that you're breathing in and out through the center of your heart. So you can either picture that or feel that, whichever sense works best for you. Just imagine that you're breathing into your heart and you're breathing out of your heart. You're inhaling into your heart and you're exhaling out of your heart. So again, either feel that or picture, visualize that. 
your breath going in and out through your heart. And finally, the third step. On each in-breath, imagine that you are breathing in love, ease, and compassion. And your exhales can just be normal exhales. But focus on each inhale that you breathe into your heart, breathing in love, breathing in ease, breathing in compassion. And continuing at your own pace, exhaling normally, and on the inhale, breathing into your heart, love, ease, compassion. And exhaling out of your heart and breathing into your heart, love, ease, and compassion. You can remember a time that you felt those, feeling those again, or just even thinking the words is certainly good enough. And one last deep in-breath, taking in love, feeling it in your heart. And on the exhale, you can open up your eyes if they were closed, and you can take your hand down. And just notice how you feel right now. Notice how you feel in your body. Notice how you feel in your just emotional state. And notice how it's different than it was just a few minutes ago. And so, Jean, I told you, you'd be my guinea pig. Mm -hmm. So tell me, how do you feel any different now than you did just a few minutes ago? I do feel calmer and happier. I feel at ease, at peace. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very, it's it's almost like as if I had meditated for a while and I'm in that state of um, just peace and removed from the day-to-day um, right. type of feeling as opposed to just that centering and that calming. And that's yeah. amazing that you, that we can do that so simply. So that is our exercise for five minutes a day for two weeks. Well, that is. That, I'm going to give you a couple of others that you can choose from because different exercises are going to sing to different people. But that is one of them. And, and what you mentioned, Jean, is very common that people will feel either, you know, peace, calm, balanced, centered, or they may feel, um, even some people feel physical sensations. So maybe a warmth in your heart or tingling in your hands and feet. And actually, better than doing this for five minutes a day, what I'm going to suggest is that you do it two or three times a day for a couple of minutes so that you space it out throughout your day. Because remember, just a few minutes helps the immune system for hours afterwards. So if you do it once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening for just a couple of minutes. And what I love about this is you can do it anywhere. I do it while I'm standing in line at the grocery store or while I'm sitting on the phone with somebody or while I'm taking a little walk. No one even has to know that I'm doing it. So um, that's one of the exercises that I'm going to really recommend. And over time, it builds. So I've I've done this thousands of times, and now all I have to do is put my hand up to my heart, and I feel this wave of love coming over me. I feel like this warmth in my heart, and I just feel completely expanded and, and tingling just from um, from having done it so often. So that's the idea, is that you want to make these things a habit so that it becomes more and more your default state. I love that, and I love that it's so quick and easy. We don't need equipment. We don't need um, a meditation room. We don't need um, really anything. We don't need someone to help us with this. It's just a, a very powerful tool to have, so thank you. Well, you know, thank you for, for getting that it is really simple and still effective because I think a lot of people think too simple can't work. 
I have come to find that sometimes the most powerful things to help us are quite, quite simple. And we're living in a time when we are so overwhelmed. Who's got a bunch of extra time to do a lot? Now, I still also do believe in longer meditation practices, and I've been meditating for many, many years, and, you know, I, I, I believe in daily meditation. And this is something else that you can do just in the midst of your activity that can really, really help and is so super, so simple and quick. I still have my hand on my heart. I like that. <laughs> I know. It's, isn't it feel good? I actually, um, some people, this is another thing that you can do, is when you wake up in the morning to just, before you get out of bed, put your hand on your heart and just send yourself some love. Right before you go to sleep at night, again, your hand on your heart, sending yourself some love, putting your attention, your focus on your heart and breathing in and out through your heart. So what we're talking about Simple little adjustments in your day that really can make big shifts in your life. Now, when we talk about uh, uh, the instability that's going on in the world and the shift that's going on, and there are still some people suffering the loss of jobs or homes. um, Now, for people in that situation, um, now, when you began uh, working on the issue of learning how to have more love in your life, you are already at a level of success, success, and we appreciate you bringing it to the world. But what about the people who are struggling so much? Now, of course, they can do this. Anyone can do what you just said, which is what makes it so great. But what would you say to those people about yeah. turning it around through the the unconditional love in their lives? So uh, that's a really great question, and I, I get asked that a lot from different angles. Some people say, you know, I've just lost my job. How can I possibly focus on this? Or some people say, you know, I've got a really big health challenge. How can I focus on this? Some people say, I've just lost someone in my life, you know, and I, you know, relationship is broken up or someone has passed on, and how could I possibly experience love during those things? And I'll, I'll tell you, I had those same questions when I started working on love for no reason, <laughs> and you know, there's a saying um, to authors, watch out what you're going to write about because you'll certainly get tested in it. Right. <laughs> and I was right here I was writing about, um, you know, living in a state of love no matter what. And sure enough, during the first six months of working on love for no reason, um, I got my tests. Here's what happened. My um, three close friends passed away in close successions to each other and, and young, not, you know, they were, they were quite young. And um, then we sold our family home that we'd had for 58 years, which was a really a hard attachment for me to let go of. My ex-husband and I, my husband at the time and I decided to get divorced. We loved each other very much, but we realized that we were not the best life partners for each other and we wanted the best for each other. So we, we, uh, got divorced, and even though it was a loving divorce, it was still really, really hard. And then, quite unexpectedly, my mother passed away. And as I was working on the book, all of this happened. Mm-hmm. And I really got to test, does this work? And I will say that definitely I went through grief. I mean, grief is a natural thing to go through. And I was practicing everything that I was learning from all these love luminaries, and it so worked that it was the thing that was able to get me through all of these uh, challenges that came up for me in a way that just made all the difference in the world. I noticed that I healed more quickly. I can't, I, I felt, I, I still, what it was was I had a, a baseline 
of love, of peace, of well-being, that those other emotions were riding the waves on top of, but I was underneath solid and in, in that state of love, and that just made all the difference. And while I did not go through a, um, a financial challenge during those times, I have been through my own cha- financial challenges, and I've seen a lot of people going through those challenges, and I know that when you are able to live more and more in this state of love, it helps you through the challenge more easily. And, you know, there's this whole idea of, of the law of attraction that we've heard of for a number of years. I was I was part of one of the teachers that was interviewed for the movie and the book The Secret, which is all about the law of attraction. And the law of attraction simply states that everything in the universe is energy and that we are con- continually attracting to us based on our energetic vibration, the energy of our thoughts, our words, our feelings, and our actions. And what that means is if we are going through a a specific challenge that the actually the best thing you could possibly do would be to raise your energetic vibration to live more in the state of love and your outer circumstances will start to respond in kind and that doesn't mean that you also don't take action i know there were a lot of people that misunderstood um, the secret and thought oh all i do is i sit home and i feel good well no you actually also take the action necessary to produce the results that you want but um, but the foundation of it all is living more and more in this energy of love. So when people come to me with any of these challenges, the first thing I tell them to do is to look at raising their love set point. Does that make sense, Jean? It absolutely does. Um, and, and you've already shown us a powerful demonstration of that. There are scientific studies, so it, 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 it has been proven to work. And I want to take a minute now for anyone who's ready right now to change their lives with more unconditional love that Marcy has an incredible offer for us that we can use to incorporate many techniques every day and, and pick and choose what, what we want to focus on. Marcy, can you, well, first of all, everyone can go to thewisdomshow.com forward slash special dash offers. You'll see Marcy's picture and the button there with the special offer. And Marcy, can you take us through what are some of the other things people can learn to start turning their life around to start bringing more love into it right away? Um, are you wanting me to refer to what's in the um, program? The... Yes, if you could just sure. give us an idea of, you... of what it is that they will experience through this program. You bet. Well, here's the cool thing. I am uh, very much a results-oriented person, and I, I think you are too, Jean. I, you know, I, I want to get fast results. And I, when I did all my research, I found that there were these specific habits to raise our happiness and love set points. And But I wanted to see, is there a way that we can make these habits um, – that we can ingrain these habits more quickly and get results faster. And so I went to a company called Learning Strategies, and they're the world's one of the world's leading researchers on accelerated learning. And I said, look, I know all the right habits for happiness and love, but can we use accelerated learning so that they, it works faster? And they said, absolutely. And so we incorporated all of these accelerated learning tools with these habits so that you can raise your happiness and love set points faster. So, for example, we we made a happy for no reason um, paraliminal meditation uh, recording where you listen with headphones, and there's one message that goes into one ear, another message that goes into another ear. It 
automatically raises your happiness set point. It scrambles the brain. You're not paying any attention. You don't need to pay attention. It does it automatically through the technology in there, and it raises your, your happiness set point without you really thinking about it. So that's just one of the kinds of things that's in there. We, we, the, there's an assessment that you take to see where you are on the, in, in terms of your happiness and where your biggest weaknesses are. Because what I found is when you start with your weakness, that's where you can have the biggest results. So for some people, their weaknesses are in their thoughts, and we, we have all, all kinds of tools in there on how to deal with the thoughts that are, are separating you from love, you know, the negative, critical, judgmental thoughts, either towards yourself or towards other people, you know, the thoughts of I'm not good enough and I can't do this well enough and I don't deserve a, a, a better life, those kinds of things. We deal with those in, in very specific tools that are really um, key to create new neural pathways in the brain for more happiness and love. Um, for some people, it's a physiological problem. So there's assessments in there to see if you are low in serotonin and oxytocin and endorphins, the biochemistry of happiness. And if you are, then specific um suggestions, remedies for those using natural means. I worked with a a wonderful um, uh, woman who specializes in this uh, named Julia Ross who wrote The Mood Cure. And so I've had a lot of people who were on antidepressants, for example, and one out of four women is on antidepressants these days. It's just staggering, mm. one out of four wow. women. And I've had a lot of people tell me that they've been able to go off of their medication. Now, do not go off of any medication without checking with your doctor first. So there's a little bit of a disclaimer. But um, So there's, there's the physical side of things. There's also some people that their weak link is their relationships or that the, they have a lot of negative people around them. And there are tools about how do you deal with negativity around you in fact, is is one of the biggest questions that I get asked. What do I do? You know, I'm 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 surrounded by negative people, and that's certainly going to affect your happiness and love set point. It's been found that we we are affected as we catch the emotions of the people around us, like we catch their colds. It's called emotional contagion, and we become the average of the five people that we surround ourselves with the most. So there are specific tools about what to do with negative people around you. So those are the kinds of things that are in this accelerated learning program on, on happiness and love. And again, that's at thewisdomshow.com forward slash special dash offers. You'll see Marcy's picture and the special offer button there, and you can read all about it. Um, Marcy, in Love for No Reason, you outlined seven doorways to unconditional love. Can you give us an idea of what those are? Yes. So I, I in all these interviews that I was doing about unconditional love, I saw that there were certain trends. There were certain things that caused people to open up more to love, and that's the whole idea is to, to remove the blocks to experiencing the essence of love that we really are. And so I, I sort of organized them into different like categories, and I saw that these seven categories were really parallel to the seven chakras of the the energy center chakras that you know many people are familiar with it's in in uh eastern uh, medicine eastern uh, eastern writings in the vedic tradition of the chakras and so i related these seven doorways to love to the seven energy centers or chakras and i'll just go through them so the first 
uh, energy center, the root chakra, I call the doorway of safety. And it's being feeling that you're able to be in the here and now. And what I found is when people don't feel safe, they don't feel inherently connected to life, and the root chakra is the chakra that allows us to feel the most connected to life and earth and feeling supported by life. When we don't feel safe, then we're not able to open up to love. So I talk about practices to help us feel more safe and more present in the here and now. Then the second doorway related to the second energy center is the doorway of vitality. And that's turning up the juice of life. This is where our, our energy, our, our energetic juices are. And, um, and there are certain ways that we can care for ourselves to turn up that vitality. The third doorway, the third chakra, is the doorway of unconditional self-love. And it's about loving ourselves no matter what. You know, a lot of people have focused on raising your self-esteem. And I have nothing against self-esteem. Self-esteem is a great thing. But self-esteem is loving yourself because. You know, I love myself because I'm a good person or I love myself because I do a great job at my work or I love myself because I look a particular way. And the problem with that is that it is conditional. And, and if you lose that thing, then, then where goes your, where does your self-esteem go? So I'm, what I talk about here is about creating a sense of an experience of loving yourself good and bad, loving yourself no matter what. And that is where our real power in the world is and our, our deepest power of love. And then the fourth uh, energy center is the heart area, the heart chakra, and it's the doorway of openness. And it's about being able to give and receive in equal measure, being really able to give, but not from a, a place of trying to get in return, being able to give from fullness and being able to receive very openly, feeling worthy to let it in love. Then there's the doorway of communication, which is the fifth area of the throat chakra, and it's about listening and speaking with compassion. The sixth chakra, sixth energy center is uh, around the third eye between the eyebrows, and it's the doorway of vision. It's about being able to see with the eyes of love, being able to perceive anything that's there through the eyes of love. And I, there's a beautiful story that I, I, um, I'll just share a little piece of it from someone I interviewed who had been in the Holocaust. And she remembered seeing just some little flowers um, butting up between the cracks in, a, in, a, in some concrete and, and being able to see the beauty in that, even in the midst of such you know, horrific conditions. So seeing with the eyes of love. And then finally there's the crown, the um, chakra, which is the doorway of oneness. And that's about connecting to the wholeness in life, feeling feeling really connected to the greater spirit or energy, whatever you want to call it, whether you call it God or source or creative intelligence or just nature, um, being feeling connected to all of life. And I've found that when all of those are open and functioning um, properly, then we are most really flowing in the energy of love. It is so comprehensive what you've done between the book and the program, just covering so many things and so many, you have so many ex, um, explanations and so many 
so many ways for us to access this love, so many different ways to look at it and approach it that is just so beautiful and comprehensive. Well, you know, it's so interesting because what I found is that, you know, what one person's, one person's medicine is not another person's medicine. And someone may be really being blocked because they just don't have enough serotonin. And they, they may need to do some things, natural things, to help increase their serotonin. And once they do that, everything's great. For someone else, it may be that they just don't feel safe. And they've, you know, and I mean safe in life. And they need to really do some things to help them feel grounded and present and here on the planet and feeling safe being here and nourished by life. So it's really a matter of, of taking a look at where is your, what, what medicine do you need? You know, one person needs vitamin C, another person needs vitamin B. So it's getting the right prescription for you. Right, and you've covered everything. It's just amazing. Now, you also talk in the book about how we can shut down our hearts by not feeling our feelings and that there are four main ways that we do that. Can you give us an idea of how we shut down our hearts? and how I can. And, and actually, can I give another exercise here, another example yes, of, that of how great. to open? I mean, what, I mean, we shut down our hearts through, um, through just going unconscious, you know, suppressing things, being in denial not feeling our feelings, or we can also shut down our hearts by kind of overemphasizing everything, being a drama queen, really, really exaggerating everything as a way to not feel our feelings. It's a way to avoid our feelings. Um, and another way we shut down is through not forgiving, not, uh, you know, holding on to grudges. And, and oftentimes people ask me, what's the fast track to greater love? And I, I have to say, it's, while it's different for each person, you know, as I just said, some people need vitamin B and some need vitamin C. The mo- one most universal salve for, um, for, for healing wounds and creating, experiencing more love is forgiveness. And my favorite forgiveness technique, if I can share that right now, and again, if you've got a pen and paper, write this down. It's a technique called Ho'oponopono. And it's, um, the good news is you never need to be able to say that word, Ho'oponopono. It's it's a it's a Kahuna Hawaiian technique, which is why there's all those O's and P's in it, and it's quite simple. It involves just repeating in your heart silently these four phrases towards the person or situation that you still have some anger towards, and the phrases are "I'm sorry," "Please forgive me," "Thank you," "I love you," and I'm going to repeat those. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And what's so cool is you never need to, you don't have to do this to the other person, you don't have to say it out loud. The other person could have even been passed on. It, they, it's a ma- passed away. It's a matter of you shifting your own energy through through just sitting. And what I'd recommend doing is sitting for five or ten minutes and just sending that wish, those wishes, towards the other person, or even you can do this towards yourself, self-forgiveness is really important. And watch and see what miracles happen in your life after doing this. And I've, uh, do we have time for me to share a story of how this has worked in my own life? Yes, we definitely do. Okay, good. So I've used this in many circumstances, and it's always worked miraculously, but perhaps the one that was the most important for me was about four years ago when my sister and I got in an argument and we weren't talking to each other. This had never happened in our family before. 
and, but it was really intense, and I she got mad at me for something. I didn't think I deserved it. I got mad at her back, and I just wasn't going to talk to her, and we were just in this silence. Well, the first time we had to get together was about four months into the silence, and I was um, we were moving our mother from our house that she had lived in for 58 years to assisted living. And um, the, the morning of the move, our whole family gathered to unpack my mom's things at her new apartment. And I hadn't seen my sister, and, and I walked into the apartment. I was the last one to come in, and I hugged and kissed all my family members hello, except for her. I completely ignored her, as, as she did. She ignored me as well. We spent the entire morning in the silent treatment, and you could feel the tension in the air. You know, everybody was pretty aware of the tension. And I remember after a few, about three hours of this, I was so wiped out that I decided to go to my car and just take a break. And on my way to the car, I remembered Ho'oponopono. And I thought, oh, that's what I have to do. So I sat in my car, and I just did Ho'oponopono towards my sister. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I just kept feeling those feelings in my heart. I didn't just rotely repeat the words. I felt those feelings in my heart towards her. And I also did it towards myself because I'd been angry at myself as well for all of this. Well, about 10 minutes into doing this, I had a huge shift and a wave of love came over me. I felt so much compassion towards my sister, and I suddenly realized that it wasn't just what had happened a few months earlier that had was causing this feeling in her, but it was, it was years' worth of stuff, and I saw what I had been doing that would cause that. It just was like, oh, my God, and I felt all this love and compassion for my sister. So I went back into the apartment feeling entirely different, but I decided not to say anything, and I just went back in and continued unpacking. Well, three minutes into being back, my sister came over to me out of the blue. She took me by the hand, and she said, come on, let's go into Mom's closet together and unpack her things. And I was like, I was just shocked, but I, I, just, I just followed her along into the, into the closet, and we, 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 went, we were in her closet unpacking her clothes and just talking like nothing had ever happened. An hour later, we're at lunch. My sister hands me her baked potato. She says, here, have my baked potato. I know you like these more than I do. Now, I was so shocked by this sudden change in behavior that I went to my brother and I said, okay, what did you say to her while I was gone? And he said, Marcy, no one said anything to her. We have no idea what has just happened. (laughs) Well, that was the beginning of an entirely different relationship that I now have with my sister that is just amazing. I have a great relationship with her now. And let me tell you, Jean, that happened at such an important time because nine months later, my sister and I found ourselves standing in that same closet of mom's, but this time we were packing up our mom's things because she had just died unexpectedly. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what that would have been like had we been still in that, in that, in that, silence and that anger towards each other and and the reason I share this is that I know that every single person listening has someone in their life that they could could do more forgiveness with or even towards themselves so I invite you to not take my word for it but to use your own life as an experiment and try this out for yourself and see what happens that is so amazing 
Ho'oponopono. I think I said it right. You said it perfectly. It is hard to say. That is another technique that is very simple and some people may dismiss, but I think there have even been studies on that. I I remember reading about a man who was in a prison who who did this for all the prisoners and their lives started turning around. Actually, it was um, it was his main, name was uh, Dr. Haleakala Hugh Len, and he was a psychiatrist, and he was called into the um, mental. He was working in the mental ward of um, of Hawaii State Hospital, and he he did this on all of the uh, patients there, and within a few months, many of them were able to be. Um, were acting very very differently, and within a couple of years, the whole hospital was. Um, closed down because uh, the patients were healed. Right. And again, this is all from from sending love and from having that intention of love. And in in the phrase, you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. We say, I'm sorry, even if we don't believe we did anything wrong. It's just, right? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. This has nothing to do with who is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, the this would take a longer conversation, <laughs> but there is, um, you know, whether somebody is right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Um, it's a matter of just you releasing the energy. And you're, you know what? You're doing it for you. You're not doing it for their benefit. You're doing it for your own benefit because I love this saying. There's a saying that not forgiving someone is like taking poison and expecting them to die. Right. You're the one that's hurt by it. So, so we do the forgiveness so that we can experience more freedom and love in our own lives. Yes, another powerful tool. Thanks so much, Marcy, for sharing that. Now, you also included, I just in our last few minutes, you, you took wisdom from a lot of cultures around the world, mm-hmm. and you found things that they do or ways that they live that produces more of this unconditional love in their lives, things that they do every day. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those? Oh, well, there are so many practices that, that people around the world do on a regular basis. I mean, gratitude is certainly one of the biggest practices for love. But, you know, you reminded me in saying that. Of, let me just share the story of um, of a tribe in Africa, the Babembu tribe. This is such an amazing story. When someone in their society, um, in their in their tribe, does something that, you know, commits a crime, rather than punishing them, they gather up the entire community. And they gather in a circle around the person. And they remind, they tell the person, they spend all day or however long it takes to remind the person of all the ways that they appreciate them, all the things that they love about them. And it, in the, in, enveloped in that appreciation and love, the person remembers who they are and they never commit a crime again. Wow, that's so powerful. Isn't that amazing? I mean, imagine. Imagine how much money we would save <laughs> in our in our in our you know and it, this is this is the kind of thing that these practices that I'm sharing the earlier we can train our children in practices of happiness and love the better off our whole society will be so if you are a parent I suggest learning these things and teaching them to your children because if you can help them raise their happiness and their love set point early on, boy, that is the biggest gift that you can possibly give to your children. I do have two children, and I am going to pass some of these on. I'm always trying to pass things on to them and hope that they will not have to go through all the processes that a lot of us do to get to the point and, and the point that you make so powerfully in your book and your program that we need to love ourselves. And in that, we're going to be loving other people and we're going to change the world because our vibration will be higher 
And um, it's, uh, these simple, profound uh, techniques will change us and change the world. Well, you know, it's interesting because oftentimes people say to me, oh, isn't it selfish to want to raise your happiness level? It's just all about you. And my answer to that is it's the least selfish thing you can do because when you are happier, when you're experiencing more love, you are affecting the whole your community, the whole world around you. And, and there's a beautiful Chinese proverb that, that sums that up. It, it goes like this. It says, when there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. When there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. When there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And when there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. And, and my prayer and my wish for all of us who are, who are here today is that we feel the light and the love in our own hearts and souls. And through that, we help create peace here on this planet of ours. Marcy, thank you so much. Um, th- that is such a great way to end our hour together. We appreciate you sharing all of this wisdom for spreading this love and light so well and so passionately with us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jean. And we want to thank everyone who has joined us. Don't forget, if you want to find out more about Marcy's program, it's at thewisdomshow.com forward slash special dash offers. Click on the offer button next to Marcy's picture. So live wisely, stay inspired, and we will see you next time on The Wisdom Show. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit us at thewisdomshow.com for access to archives of previous shows and special discount packages offered by our world-renowned experts. Thanks to internetaudiohub.com for our state-of-the-art broadcast sound. Internetaudiohub.com is available for all of your Internet audio needs. We look forward to joining you next time on The Wisdom Show.